Our guest this week is a Commonwealth, Champions Trophy, World Cup, and Olympic gold medalist. Joint 2005 FIH Player of the Year and member of the Australian Women's Team of the Century. Welcome to the Camberwell Hockey Podcast. This week, James Webster presents Katie Allen, assistant coach with the Hockey Roos, and of course, previous head coach of our men's Premier League group. Here's Jimmy. All right, welcome to all that are tuning in. I have the pleasure of uh, talking with Katie Allen, Australian hockey legend and obviously a close friend of the uh, the Campbell Hockey Club. Katie, welcome to another edition of the uh, Campbell Club podcast. Thanks, Jimmy. Great to be here. I guess to start, very, very simple, what have you been up to during this isolation period uh, to keep yourself busy? Yeah, I've still been working uh, over in Perth um, with the national setup. Um, we've been down to four days a week, um, but doing some other projects that are sort of linked to um, the pathway and things that we were targeting to do after the Olympics. So we sort of moved them forward. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been doing some study and uh, a little bit of backyard tennis in the courtyard, um, <laughs> nice. hitting against the wall, going back to my youth. Um, but yeah, n- nothing much else really. <laughs> How's the eye? You still got the eye uh, in good condition? Yeah, n- it's okay. My my grandpa <laughs> w- would be probably not that proud. He was a tennis coach and and um, he'd probably think and wish I was playing and continuing to play. But nah, it w- yeah, it was good fun. <laughs> Keep me um, yeah. insane. Nice, nice. Um, I guess very basic, but how did you how did you get into hockey? Oh, I just started playing at school actually in my primary school in Adelaide. Uh, it was uh, one of the parents was of one of the kids at the school was um, part of a club, um, Burnside Hockey Club, much like Campbell, and uh, he um, yeah coached at the club, and he um, also started up a school team with the primary school so I sort of was a sporty kid so I just played everything and tried it at primary school so and then went from there. Nice um, I remember I think David Wandsborough spoke with both LB and and Soph not that long ago um, very very similar about the lead up and the preparation for an Olympic year and then obviously with this um, COVID COVID lockdown period that we've we've gone through and the devastation it's had on a lot of obviously sport and the Olympics being um, postponed until next year. Um, how has that changed preparation for you as a coaching group, but also obviously the players, um, and obviously from a motivation point of view, I guess as well. How's that? How's that differed um, for the whole playing group? Yeah, it's um, thrown things a bit. Um, I think yeah, initially. Pro, yeah, it probably hit me pretty hard and quick um, when it all sort of stopped because we, yeah, everyone, we pretty much were at the gym in the morning, uh, on the Monday morning with all the, the squad and then it, um, yeah, slowly that basically we got word that it was shutting down and the program was shutting down and then the Olympics, it was sort of within two days, one or two days that it was, um, yeah, it was postponed a year. So it um, happened really quick. Um, yeah, it took a couple of days because it was sort of the logistics of getting people home and, and and out of Perth and then stopping the training 
program. But then, yeah, I think just the the shock of yeah everything stopping and and it being uh, over, I guess, for what we were doing. It's we had such a short term goal. I guess we were within six months, pretty much, of the Olympics. So it was. Um, yeah, it sort of took us by surprise, and I think, um, yeah, from a coaching group perspective, we we sort of went into you know the reaction of continuing to work and continuing to do things and and sort of scrambling a bit, um, and then it, yeah, as I said, it hit me quite hard uh, that it would be another year, um, sort of a, yeah, more so sort of shock I think, um, yeah, to then go okay, well we have to sit back and reassess what we're doing, everything because you, you plan everything down to the you know the day and and yeah. the the lead up and the the pre competition and and uh the loads of people and and uh yeah even your own like I'd moved to Perth so I'd plan to reassess things after August and and see yep. where I'd go next um so yeah I I think I'm still in a bit of shock about that cuz it's quite yeah. a big big thing that you're sort of working to in a short term sort of short term goal but I reckon that's a really good point you you brought up as well with you know with your yourself and you know looking to replan after that August time because there must be players that you know are either coming to the end of their playing career who are a little bit older who now you know they've got to get themselves up for another whole year or now they've got younger players which may be pushing them out um, you know as that year goes on so it must be very difficult for I guess from a motivation point of view, but some of the players just thinking, where are they at, and do they want this, um, you know, to go for a whole another year of that that preparation stage? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. There, there is a number of players that were, yeah, going to finish up or were considering finishing up, whether it was through work or you know having kids or um, or just you know travel or there was other things on their kind of agenda, um, and yeah, they'd sort of put or put things on the back burner for this period of time we're full-time training and leading up to a very short-term sort of objective so yeah I, I do think a couple of people have really struggled with that um and yeah it's taken them you know a while to to sort of work out what to do about it and um let it sit with them I guess and and uh and work out whether they want to keep going um and yeah others it's probably um it's just business as usual and they're they're you know, been hanging out to get back into it and, you know, sort of in the middle of their careers. And then you've got, yeah, the younger ones who are probably uh, given an opportunity really that they maybe were on the fringe um, before and, and just coming in, but now get an opportunity to, with a bit more time, with six months to, um, it's a bit of a bonus for them. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a whole mix of, of um, situations and it's probably the same really with the coaching staff. Um, I think the head coaches are, yeah, probably the the hardest hit with it because you know they really yep. were head down and uh, the pressure's really on um, to perform and you get everything you know you planned everything down to that that detail that that you need that to think you know to to plan to win and do be successful and then I think yeah it's then it throws things to okay is it going to be the same squad or is it is it going to be um, you know the, what can we do in this time you know what can you know can we go backwards. Um, all of those things sort of probably creep in, whereas they were, and we were on a mission. Really, you're pretty focused at, at um, you know, six months to go for the Olympics. So, so some doubts and questions come in. I guess from a selection point of view as well, um, no hockey won this year, and doubtful when international hockey will restart again. So, 
how do you go about the selection for for next year? What does that what does that look like? Yeah, well, it's disappointing. There's no hockey one. Um, I mean, really, for everyone, players that are, you know, love playing at that level, and the national players love going back to the states, and and it gives that broader group an opportunity to to play at that level. And and yeah, as you say, it's for selection also. We've planned a couple of camps. They're not all finalised yet, but um, to selection camps I guess so a broader group of players would be invited in including the, the senior squad at the moment um, yep. but a you know group broader than that the development squad athletes um, to come in and actually play a competition so a two or three team competition you know use that as selection that's really going to be it in November um, yep. other than that it'll be you know people the you know performance in training um, either in Perth or in their, the diff- different states, we've still got some people based, uh, um, as you said, with um, Sophie and LB in, in Melbourne and, and um, others in Queensland and, and New South Wales. So, yeah, it'll be um, certainly a, a compromised selection that we from what we're used to, but, um, yeah, it's all that we can do at this stage with it, even with the, the travel restrictions and, and border restrictions at the moment still with WA. We might move on to your playing record. I know that you're a, you're a very humble person, but um, reading through your achievements over your playing career is just absolutely incredible. So I'll just run through a bit of a list. Olympic gold medalist at the 2000 Olympics, 2005 FIH World Player of the Year, two times World Cup gold medalist, three times Champions Trophy gold medalist, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, and also named in the Australian Women's Team of the Century. Incredible list. Uh, during that period that you obviously came through, there were some amazing players, um, Alison Annan, Nikki Hudson, uh, Rochelle Hawks, just to go through a few names there. In terms of that era that you you came through, the Hockey Roos team were known as one of the, or the best um, team going around in Australia. From that era and your playing career, what, what are some of the fondest memories that you um, that stick out for you? It really was a privilege to be in that era I, and and be part of the the hockey ruse for um, that uh, length of time and that period of time. I, I'm probably I, I'm realizing that later on in in life. I think at the time you you um it's a slog. It's like anything you you know you you're doing it and uh, and it's hard work and and you're. You know, for me, I was probably in and out of the the team at various times, and and so never quite um, settled. And uh, whilst you know that was a good thing, and in terms of always having to push myself, I guess you know it's always probably an uncomfortable place to be in at times, where Absolutely. you're um you're you're trying to to um get yeah selected and and be the be the best you can be at that level. So, um, but yeah, now I guess I reflect on it and and. Yeah, I mean, think how fortunate I, I was. Um, I mean, yeah, you mentioned, yeah, some of those those names, um, and they're, you know, you could list ten, twenty more um, over that the course of ten years that I did have the privilege to play with and learn from. And um, yeah, I think I mean I came through South Australia, so I um, and had sort of likes of Juliet Haslam and Alison peak that I played with with my state team and they were you know they were senior players in in the national squad and so I sort of saw them firsthand in my own state and saw how they operated so I, I learned a lot 
from them and and was I guess helped by them once I was in the, the squad and and then I sort of had other senior players around me like someone like Jen Morris was you know I still think was yep. the best uh, fullback ever to, to play the game and and Leanne Tooth was before that even and she I got to sort of overlap with her basically she, her end of her career was the start of mine and she was uh, she played in in Seoul as well and and then in Atlanta, she pretty much was in the team in in the place that I was going for in in Atlanta, and when I missed out, so she, you know, but she was, you know, a legend of the sport as well. That um, I guess, yeah, that's what I think I remember now, or I think about fondly, is how much I learned from the people I played with. Like I, I think the um, the different stories of people um, within that squad and how they got there and. Um, what they passed on to me, um, whether it was just you know yelling at me um, yeah. <laughs> to um, pull my head in or you know run or or do something better. Are there any players that you remembered that actually uh, were quite vocal and did? Because I, I I can tell you right now, I know a player that comes straight to my head at, that was a Camberwell player. Who I think you might be thinking of as well that used to yell at <laughs> <laughs> like you yelling at players. Yeah, oh, look, I think it, well. Everyone that played with me in, in state would say it was me, so I, I can't um, put people in a bad light. But um, yeah, in the national program, I think it was funny. Like it was an era of really strong personalities. Any number of people. I remember Jen Morris was um, like she was injured for two years and on the sideline she'd done a knee and had complications. She was at every training session and she used to, like just gets yeah stuck in you know. If, I'd be whinging about something and she'd, you know, be saying, get on with it, you know, and, you know, run and keep going, you know, push yourself. Like she, I remember that, I probably remember it fondly now because I think of how hard it would have been for her. But, you know, seeing this sort of younger player just get out there and, you know, whinge and, and, um, or not run or whatever, she, she got stuck into me off, off the field, which was, you know, now I think it was the best thing for me. But, um, Oh God! It's pushed, pushed you a lot. Yeah, people were really, yeah, as I said, really vocal, really competitive. Probably more so, just competitive at each other, but versus yelling at each other. Um, you know, that way it was more about yeah, competing, competing against each other. You know, like the likes of yeah, Juliet and Risha or Hawks and um, Kate Starr and and um, Jen and and. Um, our, like that was yeah so compared Trini Powers, um, she had a good chirp on her like she she'd have a go um, you know behind the scenes and and um, stir you up so yeah like I I think it was just a really competitive era that's the other thing I remember about it like I remember how much I learned but I also remember how competitive it was and I think that's that striving really rubbed off on me and um, you couldn't help but just go with it and try and just be the best you could be because you had to be to survive and yeah yeah it sort of seemed harsh at the time and and but now I think about it just like it sort of really gave me a foundation into later life um like I really do remember winning and I remember if you know the games you know we won a lot but I never tired of winning (laughs) and um and there's some you know the the big tournaments. That must be a great, great feeling. Yeah, I know. I know I'm that a bit spoiled as well, but uh, I know how hard <laughs> it is to win as well. Um, and I so now appreciate it even more. But I do think the World Cup in, in Holland was probably, um, you know, a really uh, a special highlight um, with playing against Holland in the the final. And, you know, we were down 1-0 within a minute and it was 
um, you know, 15,000 people in a soccer stadium that had been converted. Uh, it was like nothing else, um, having you know pretty much fifteen thousand Holland fans and um, them just you know the singing of the national anthem at the start and and uh, them just the wave of sort of support they had for them, um, how hard that was you know for us and being down and then and then ended up you know we ended up winning that and um, that was huge um, and just the environment Holland you know. Do hockey, do hockey so well, and and that 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 atmosphere was just like being at a soccer uh, match, and yep. um, so th- I mean that, and and the I mean Sydney two thousand. I mean we had that support, and it was fifteen thousand, and it was um, everyone yelling for us, and um, you know that you know to win in front of all those people and in that environment was pretty special. I mean it was clearly the most special thing um, as well from from a, a prestige point of view as well and, and, and how long we've kind of been working towards it. So, I mean, those big things are, are big memories for me, definitely. It must give you goosebumps when you when you either watch um, replays. I watched it the other day, that about a two-minute, I guess, segment of that um, that gold medal match in, in Sydney. And it must just give you goosebumps when you either, I guess, see pictures again or, or you see videos um Again, you know, after uh, what are we twenty twenty years ago now? Yeah, it's twenty years ago. Um, yeah, it's funny. I watched it for the first time the other day. Um, I had never watched it. Um, never seen. I'd seen sort of some highlights and things that we had. Um, our video operator put a video, like a VHS uh, video package for us together um, to have afterwards, like a bit of a take home, <laughs> um, and I kept that. And I had played that um, back when video recorders <laughs> were actually functioning. Um, Old school. Yeah, but um, I watched, yeah, I got sent the link of it um, recently and, uh, yeah, watched the whole thing through. And uh, it was, um, yeah, it was funny. Like some of it I really remember, um, yeah, like it was yesterday and others I just I yeah, had no idea things happened in the game um, or around the game <laughs> that did. Um, it was yep. a bit of a blur I think it's just pretty intense at the time so yeah it's it's um it's special because even just watching I think I I probably reflected on um how well we played and in a pressure game and I always think that's um that's yeah true test of players and and teams and coaches is to be able to produce it um when it really matters and and um yeah I think that to sort of watch that from a like being an outsider almost it was um maybe yeah, certainly very proud of, of us and, and that time and, and that performance, I guess, as well. Yeah, amazing. And I, I know we mentioned a few and you also mentioned a few players that you, you came through and play with, but is there one that stands out for you that you just go, she was just the best player I've ever played with and just amazing in all aspects of the game? It is tough because uh, of all of those, yeah, the players I mentioned for different reasons, they were the best in their position or the sort of role model for me or a real sort of leader. I, I probably still think oh, the best all-round player, I think, was Rachel Hawkes, just for her consistency. Like uh, she was under almost underrated, but I, I don't know how she could be with three gold medals, but she um, – <laughs> and being the captain for a long time, she was just – she. I say sort of consistent because of the way she trained as well. Like she, she was just exceptional at every training session. She 
sort of was was a she really worked hard at every training session, but she also her sort of basic skills and her competitiveness and her smarts, her um, skill, like all of that was at this you know exceptional level, and was she always produced it and uh, and was a very much a team. You know, she played within our team and and was not a she. You wouldn't say she starred, but I actually when I watched the game, the two thousand final, and that was her last game. She would have been in her sort of early mid early mid thirties. She, yeah, she was what stood out. She was who stood out to me in the start of the game, and then sort of throughout, you just kept going, "Oh wow, okay, yeah." She just trapped everything. She, she was, you know, in every contest and chasing back. Um, so she had all those sort of qualities of being really talented, but also uh, exceptionally hard worker, and um, and and did that at, you know for so long. I mean, she. I think she came into the the teams around '86 because she played in '88, and then she went, you know, right through to 2000. And um, yeah, I don't remember having a bad training session. So, I guess to me, uh, and she she was probably the best all round. I mean, I think clearly the best uh, talent and 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 skill um, player was Allison and Annan. Yeah. I mean, I think. Everyone would acknowledge that, and having had to play against her every training session, and and um and play against her when she was in New South Wales, and um yeah, she she definitely had it all. Um um, so there yeah, from a from a pure sort of skill and um and talent point of view, she was pretty scary. Um, but yeah, I guess you know, there was lots of players like, for different reasons, like the the strikers that I had to train against and try and tackle and um you know, to the players in my position that I was fighting with or, you know, the mid, like I found it, the midfield group were amazing, like in terms of, you know, how much they wanted the ball all the time and were always reliable under pressure. Um, but, yeah, I'd probably say Richelle in terms of the all-round ability and and what she sort of represented, I think, to our team and, and led the team. Someone to look up to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now that you're involved with with the Hockeyroos from an assistant coach point of view and obviously playing, what are the main the main changes? What do you see from when you were a player to the players of today who are involved in that in that inner sanctum? Well, it's it seems much faster. Like <laughs> I think that um the rules I guess have changed that in terms of the play on rule and um interchange. We had interchange um quite constantly now um in our era, but it sort of came in, but it certainly wasn't as rapid. So I guess everyone's able to maintain that sort of higher level and higher intensity speed. Um, I think definitely the speed of the game, yeah, has increased. Um, the the difference in terms of groups of players, it, it's funny that there's a similar, yeah, there's a thread of uh, of drive and and you know want for team success and and a real um you know push push for the team to be better like I and I think I see that in the group today as well um and there's a real value they 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 seek out and and um value you know the lessons of of past and and um past teams and past players like I think they they acknowledge the importance and I guess the the yeah, the honour it is to play for your country and and to play for the Hockey Roos, which who it's a you know it's a um, a well known and and such a sort of well established successful team. Um, so I think there's a real value in that. So 
they definitely have that. I think they whinge as much as we whinge back then. We we always go, oh, yeah, we were, you know, we used to do these things and we were tougher and all that. But I, I sort of reflect a little bit and think, yeah, I think we whinged a lot when we were going through, um, you know, about how hard it was or, you know, about the establishment or coaches, you know, um, and I think, yeah, they definitely do that now. Um, I just don't hear as much of it because I'm, I'm, you know, on the dark side now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of those things that, that have gone through and, and uh, we're pushing now and I think they, there's more of it. There's more of a competitiveness um, and that sort of not, uh, not shying away from putting yourself out there and actually, yeah, striving um, to be yeah, better than the next person or, you know, better yourself. Um, I think that sometimes is, can, I think I've seen at times in the past that hasn't been there as much. Um, I think we're, it's hard, it's a hard sort of um, measure against the group that I was in because I do think we were a bit nuts with that, like the competitiveness <laughs> part of it. Um, so we probably went a bit overboard. Um, but I think, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a, um, a core group of, of players now that are building that and, and bring that. And I think, um, yeah, whilst it, makes for some tension and and um conflict at times i think it's the only way you can really push um and as long as you can be natural as yeah, well, i guess yeah as long as you can yeah don't do it with respect and and uh and an acknowledgement that it's yeah it's not about real conflict it's just it's just about pushing each other to be better i think when you can acknowledge that then um then you'll you'll get to you know, be the best you can be. So I think we're getting there with that. This person has obviously had a big impact in your life. Um, and I've just got a few quotes. In Rick Charlesworth's book, um, The Coach Managing for Success, he, he describes you as a wonderful young woman whom I would be proud to call my daughter. He also describes um, as you as perhaps the most physically courageous athlete I've ever known with preparedness to put her body on the line to stop the opposition from scoring. I mean, that, that little quote just there, rings so true when I think about your competitive nature, but even just playing offsiders games <laughs> against you, um, <laughs> against you, but also with you, like it didn't matter who it was against you, you know, you were just willing to, um, to do everything. And I guess from just reading out those few little lines there from Rich Charlesworth's book, um, he obviously um, adored you. Um, so what was his impact on your life and, and hockey? Yeah, well, he clearly wrote that after yeah, he finished coaching me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel that adoration at the time. Um, it, it's funny when you look back, it, and yeah, I have a really good relationship now with him as well. But um, yeah, at the time, it, it's just a coach, and and uh, he, he, you know, was a coach that dropped me and and uh, <laughs> and um, you know, pushed me to be doing more. So I think yeah, it's funny how you afterwards um, you hear those things and you think, oh, I didn't really know that. <laughs> Yeah, I, he did have a, a big influence on our whole group and I think the way that we operated. First of all, I have always do reflect on that he trusted me as a player. Like I, I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't a fast athletic player. I wasn't um, a really skillful player. Like I was a defender that, yeah, did those things he talked about. But I, I guess um, he saw uh, that he valued that in me and trusted um, that, uh, yeah, I could produce at that high level and uh, I think that always um, yeah stayed with me that 
um, and enabled me to be confident in what I could do and what I could bring that was important for the team. Um, I think that that was really important to my own development. Yeah, I think he, the, the work ethic and and his um, intensity, he definitely brought that uh, and that sort of stu- suited me as well, I guess. As you said, it can be fairly intense um, when it comes to playing hockey and coaching probably as, as well, most definitely. So I think, and there was, a num- I guess, a number of us as I've, ref- as I've sort of referred to that we were all pretty competitive and intense. So I think um, he drove that that culture and and uh, that sort of striving to, to not sort of stop and be, you know, be happy where you are. Um, sometimes you resented that because it was like oh can't we just you know, enjoy what we're doing um and be happy yeah. now but it, yeah I think you know in hindsight that was you know the thing that really pushed us um as a group uh, and yeah I think he, he's um you know now as a coach I guess I, I see a lot of things that that he did in terms of how he structured training and uh, how he really focused on um the game the team's game that you're playing in rather than always focusing on opposition and tactics and, um, you know, he really focused on on how we could be uh, exceptional and take yep. take the game further. He, he really advanced the game, I think, um, and our sort of um, perceptions of what was possible or what, what our perceptions were of what was possible. Um, so, yeah, all those things, I guess they, yeah, they rub off on you, especially after... Um, yeah, two Olympic cycles. I guess you kind of um, lots of his quotes and lots of his things that he used to say. Um, yeah, you find this. I find myself saying now, <laughs> reflecting on. Um, Isn't that yeah. funny? Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's um, a number of us that have we see, can you know, every now and again see each other, whether we're um, coming into sort of hockey circles or just um, yeah, friends. You kind of that stuff comes up all the time. So many different things. Um, and I guess when you're in this environment, you know, you're a full-time athlete, um, you really do get exp- exposed to your coaches and the people around you a lot. Um, so, you know, that um, what they do and how they act and, and how they operate, you know, rubs off on you, definitely. I guess I would encourage um, anyone and everyone to to read. Obviously, there's a chapter within the book that um, – Obviously, you wrote yourself, and um, you, you are a bit of a wordsmith. But yeah, there was a chapter within his his book that you wrote, and uh, there was a few a few parts that um, I really took to and um, got a lot out of. And you spoke about the stresses leading up to every selection that was was coming up. But the thing that got me, and don't even think about it, how teams used to be announced and the process of having to call call a phone number to um yeah just hear if your name was was read out and if you were part of the team it just seems so bizarre in the, the world that we now you know live in and um <laughs> the way that it would be done now do, do you remember those moments of of calling in and the stresses involved yeah yeah i do i can yeah i probably remember them better than some of the games um yeah i think um they uh i guess yeah for me yes i was all probably always on that that fringe and um and it yeah it was a highly competitive group so you never really knew um if you were in or not so I think that certainly heightened it um and then yeah the process of of phoning in and uh yeah well I I think I said it in the the book that one of them I was um 
you know, I'm waiting. You say uh, who you are and then, then they, you know, look down the list and like my being yes, Alan, right. I'm the f- right. you know, f- I'm going to be the first one, and they were looking, and I'm like, oh well, that's it. <laughs> that was Atlanta. I remember that clearly because I was overseas at the time as well. Um, and so yeah, you're sitting there on your, you know, wherever you are. Um, yeah, I don't think I had a mobile then, so I was, you know, definitely landline in your bedroom or whatever. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a bit like you know the exam when you're waiting for it. If it's like exam results or something, you you don't want to. Well, we used to open them, like you know you open you know the the result and or if it's opening an email or whatever where you're getting that sort of you know whether you've passed or failed or yeah you're in or you're out it's quite a dramatic um and uh sort of final thing you know you, you kind of go along yeah training and playing and you're all you're still in the mix but that's really the final thing especially for you know olympics and um, you know it's, a, it's the thing that everyone's sort of working towards so um yeah it was but yeah definitely uh, yeah the most uh probably nervous um I've been but yeah I think it's um I I do reflect now on in terms of coaching and and how we communicate selection and you know the the information that you give to players and and uh the respect that you um you need to pay and the time you need to to pay to the to those things because of how much it meant to me and I know that you know players at every every level um right through um you know they put so much into playing and training and and their own uh yeah just their own um drive and and uh their confidence everything's on the line and and I think yeah as coaches it's it's so important to to make sure that you have and give everything consideration that it deserves and and the respect for the players and and what they put in yeah because I I guess I reflect on those moments of how much it meant to me and and uh and how much it meant when I you know and how gutted I was when I missed out as well and and that you need to yeah respect that because regardless of whether people make it or not at any level like they've put in the same amount of work um so I think that that's certainly left me well stood me in good stead for for now um, coaching and selecting. Uh, you did obviously mention um, a few times there, which is mentioned in the the chapter in the in the book um, about missing out on the the nine ninety six Olympics and I guess the impact that it had on you and um, you know and uh, the impact importance I guess of failure um, of not being selected and I think there was a f- the wording um, you know value every incident um, and you you mentioned how that will remain with you forever. Um, how did how did not being selected um, shape you as a person um, and what lessons and skills did you come away probably between that 96 not being selected to being selected at the 2000 Olympics? What did you take away and um, in terms of lessons and skills? Yeah, I do think it was it was certainly the, one of the most important things that I've gone through um, because I think that up until then uh, I had gone through and probably made most teams that I'd been part of junior through juniors and and stayed and national teams and and I'd even got into the national team like I'd come in as an injury replacement at a world cup um for Leon Tooth who was the vice captain so I I kind of made this quick rise and and I'd done okay and and then it was the first thing I really missed out on and I think I actually I mean in hindsight I sort of expected to get in and 
<laughs> that was a big mistake. But um, I think the biggest, the lesson I learned from that, it sort of changed my understanding of the world a bit. I actually do think I didn't deserve to be in now, now that I reflect. Um, but uh, but at the time I did and I think I worked really hard and I um, thought I was good enough and I thought I had the belief, I guess, that, um, you know, you, you work and do everything you can uh, you know, you're a good person. You strive and and um, you do the right things, and you know things will work out for you. That was my kind of understanding, and and it kind of worked through life, really. Like that, that was I didn't have anything happen to me that that um, that changed that. Whereas, yeah, this I think did, and you know, I invested everything and in, into that. But in the end, yeah, I think it made me realize, well, yeah, you can do that. Um, but you can, you, you still may not get exactly what you want, um, or think that you need, or all of those things. And and someone might be better than you in this case. You know, if it could be a job, or it could be, um, yeah, selection. It could be, um, you know, attend you going to whatever it is in life. You know, there are people out there doing as much as you, and sometimes more, and sometimes uh, are more deserving. Uh, and in Leanne's case, you know, she she was, and and uh, I didn't think that probably for two years but um uh yeah I think it, it it taught me you can do all those things and it may not work out but I guess the, the thing that I also take with me is that it doesn't it shouldn't stop you investing everything um it was probably the hardest lesson because it most of the time when you have that happen to you in ever whatever sense it is and in whatever part of life you, you kind of think well, why is it it's not worth it why invest everything if you might not get it um and to me that was the the best thing to learn out of it was that, well, yeah, you still, I still want to invest. I still think there's such value in giving everything to whatever that pursuit is because then you know that you have. If you don't then achieve it, um, that's only one part of it. You know, you, you've actually achieved a lot by investing and, and striving and and becoming, um, you know, the doing, I guess, of of the everyday um, that you you invest in in striving for something like a, a goal like that. And I guess you could have gone the complete opposite way. You could have gone, you know, not getting selected and and gone. I'm giving up. You know, I'm done. But um, you know, pushing yourself um, off the back of um, that hard time and and pushing yourself. And then you know, obviously getting selected for the 2000 Olympics and winning gold must have been an amazing feeling and. Um, yeah, you must have come away feeling very relieved off the back of that. Yeah, well, it's funny. I think I did go the other way for two years after um, after that. I mean, I still was still part of the, the squad over here, and um, but I very much kind of was angry and you know bitter about it, and sort of resented this the environment, and I kind of just hung on, I guess. It, and but I kind of yeah I think I just emerged from that and and I was challenged to to um to choose whether I wanted to continue like I I was sort of like oh well, I want to go out I had my teaching degree and I said I'll oh, stuff it you know I'm going to go and teach and I did that and when it came back to you know you have to commit to the full time environment again I was like oh you know I don't want to do it um and I was challenged I remember Rick challenging me at the time and. I still remember the conversation. He said, you, you know, you've got to choose at this point in your your life because this is what, you know, we're expecting of people that are in the squad and you can't do both at this point. And, um, and yeah, I then, yeah, made that, I guess, the 
the the choice, like the active choice of saying, yeah, well, I'm I'm going to continue and and I'm the one doing it. I can't you know blame anyone else or the the, the coaches or it's my my choice to do it and and I'm here because I want to be here. And I think as soon as you get to that point. Um, then it, you can sort of just get on with it, and um, and then you know take what you can from from uh, the environment and and the, your situation. So I think yeah, I got there eventually, um, and that yeah, I think there was a number of people like we had in the end four of us that were the train on players that missed out um, on the '96 Atlanta Olympics, uh, ended up making the the Sydney team, and um, right feeling, and I yeah, I guess. It, uh, I think Rick said afterwards, you know, he knew there was a hunger um, from from us. He also included younger, some younger players in, it and he, um, I think, he valued the, um, yeah, that I guess the the toughness, I guess, that it brings if you've been able to stick at it and and keep going. And and I just become, you just get a bit more mature and and get sort of probably better as a hockey player if you can stick at it. Like I think that that's for me. I was pretty young early on and when I missed out and so I had time to to get better and and to sort of mature a bit. The value I had in you know in in um or placed on when I did get in, um, you know, knowing, you know, what the possibility was, um, and I still felt I was fifty fifty at that time when when that happened. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it definitely ups the value of of it, of it and the achievement and and then sort of getting there and and progressing in and then end up and winning in the end yeah I guess that's the other part of when you have a setback or things go wrong like if you can continue on and come out the other side where well, you, you do value it more than if you just get it um relatively easily or without a setback so yeah absolutely Post your um your playing career, you um, jumped um, into the coaching career, I guess. And so a few things, obviously, uh, from a coaching career point of view, you you were Victorian Institute of Sport um, women's head coach, um, 2009-2016. Um, you were part of the coaching panel of the Victorian Vipers. Um, you were, I think, 2016, the assistant coach for the Australian Women's Junior World Cup team um, in Chile, which you were medalist um which was the first time in 15 years um at a junior world cup obviously the the important one here is the um campbell uh, hockey club men's premier league coach and obviously now um hockey roos assistant assistant coach uh, we, we spoke um very briefly just earlier on about um some of the coaches that you, you had coming through your time and um some of the impact that they had on you but now, when you reflect on your coaching style and the way that you go about um, your coaching, is there any um, coaches' theories that you had that you've now implemented into your own, I guess, um, coaching practice? Yeah, it's a great question. I've been really fortunate in the influences I've had um, throughout my yeah, sporting career as an athlete and then worked with coaches as well. Um, and and even outside, I guess I spent quite a lot of time in between playing and coaching um, in education and in teaching, but also in um, in sports uh, management and um, and welfare industry. So I was, it was quite a, a different influence from from many different people and managers and uh, and coaches. So I guess I've always um, yeah tried to 
sort of learn and take out um, what I have or what I see in in those managers and coaches um, that I can use and and I probably have done that yeah, with a lot even if I didn't agree with things that they were doing or how they were doing it I probably picked up you know what not to do but yeah I'm uh, I think certainly I picked up around being really well planned and um, yeah organized from you know a couple of coaches even just the way that training's done or that you progress training or over a year um, what you're trying to achieve and, and sort of putting a plan in place and I learned that from teaching as well you know the in terms of the passion of coaching and and maybe the the personal side and I think certainly someone like uh, Rick was was good at that and in um, the emotion of of you know sport and people and and maybe looking at things a little bit differently. Yeah, I had him. I had a, a, one of my first coaches at club and institute when I was playing. Um, Trish Hebley was a really big influence on me in terms of her, she was a really sort of clear communicator and it's something I probably still strive to now. I, I'm, I'm certainly not where she was, but I know that, you know, how much of an impact that can have when you, you're clear and and um, yeah, inspiring, I guess, and and uh, a good orator um, and the influence that can have. So I guess yeah, I've had lots of different coaches and and managers and and um, and I guess yeah, I've tried to take bits and pieces out of all of them. I probably haven't. I don't think I, there's one or there's one part of my coaching that I would say I've attributed to someone. Um, I guess all of them. What I've have learned overall I guess is each of them um, were very um, authentic and and strong in their own way and and um, brought their own kind of strengths to the the table and I think um, for me that's what I probably need need to and and try to um, continue to strive to do is just bring what I have and um, bring what I have and my experience and and personality um, to to coaching and not try and do it uh, like someone else does. So it's a hard, yeah, a fine balance, I guess, between learning from others but then doing um, doing what you do well. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, not a simple answer. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But uh, I, I get, no, you answered that very, very well. Um, did, did you always think that you were wanting to jump into the, the national program and, um, I guess, be part of that hockey ruse from a from a coaching point of view. No, I I didn't always know that I wanted to be involved in the national team. I I actually think that yeah, coaching at Campbell and because it was towards the end of my sort of seven years at the VIS, uh, I was looking for some different influences and different challenge um, to learn as a coach and to think about things differently. And and I that's when I sort of came in as assistant coach um, with Rosie at Camwell and um, had a different role and and uh, that that to me sort of probably just kept me going a little bit longer in the VIS role because it, it sort of changed. I did that sort of concurrently. Um, but then when I finished up with the VIS, I had a real sort of time, time to myself and time away. I went back and did some study and I – um, I really challenged, I wanted to think about whether I really wanted to go on or not and not just do it because it was kind of the next step. Um, and I was a little bit burnt out at that time and I thought, oh, 
I just want to step back from full-time coaching and, and see if I really want to do it. So that sort of time was really that time then was with Camberwell and I took on the head coaching role and I think it was pivotal in, uh, yeah, I guess reigniting my interest in sort of continuing as a coach and probably it made me realise how much I had to learn and, and grow and go further with and that I wasn't quite done. Um, and it, yeah, as and even taking on the head coach role um, in a, a team, I guess it also uh, ignited that uh, interest in, well, maybe yeah, actually, I I do want to um, continue and and you know potentially be, yeah, get back into full time coaching because I really enjoyed um, that period of time and with it yeah with a group that was really um, yeah driven and 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 positive and worked really hard and and. It, you sort of saw I saw the benefits of all of that um, and I was I guess I experienced the same within VIS and I kind of had those experiences but yeah I think that time with Camwell was really pivotal and and um and I when I decided yeah I'll, I want to um keep at it and and see what the next sort of step is in my coaching and I guess naturally that um was to to go into the national program a national program and yeah and I guess I yeah that I'd also just got involved in that Junior World Cup team and and helping there. So, yeah, all of those sort of things came in at Stepping stone. similar time. Yeah, and it, and it probably the when you get involved like a Junior World Cup, it was you know it's pretty exciting. And and we were in Chile. It was um, you know there was great crowds. There's um, you know a real you know it's a World Cup, so you know, lots of teams and the excitement of international. Um, hockey and and I guess I'd been out of that for a fair while and it was um that kind of also prompted me to go you know that that sort of spark in me that I I had really loved being um, involved in international hockey and this there's something about it and um so I guess yeah it, all of those sort of things came together to, to prompt me to to then um go for the the job um with as assistant coach with the hockey ruse so um, yeah, that's uh, didn't always know, but yeah, got there eventually. Um, I guess a, a few athletes that you've worked very closely with through the through the VIS and uh, our own um, Camwell players in um, LB, Soph and and Chrissy. It must be so pleasing, I guess, to have worked with them for um, a long period in time through the VIS, um, and then obviously have that connection at Camwell, but now to see them, their development uh, and see where they're at. And it must be, yeah, as I said, very pleasing on your behalf um, to see the progression that they've made over many, many years. Yeah, I think beauty of coaching, best part of it is that sort of seeing people mature and, and improve and, uh, and whether it's, yeah, make, make teams or um, just do special things and uh, or just make gains, whether it's yeah in hockey or outside of hockey. Yeah, I think you're right. Like being part of that and seeing it along the way. Yeah, I mean, I remember actually watching a a tournament, an under fifteen tournament, where LB and both LB and Sophie were playing. Um, so they would have been thirteen or fourteen, and um, yeah, they. I, I remember still. I remember watching them then, and you know, they had. Um, some of their qualities that they have now, um, you know, back then it was, you know, easy to see. And, and I think, um, so yeah, I think, yeah, you, I guess proud of them and proud of, I think, you know, I've got these people like Rachel Lynch and, um, you know, Ash Wells that are, um, I haven't worked with 
um, in terms of VIS for a long time, but, um, you know, to sort of see them, you know, be near the best in the world in in um, in their position, and you know, I think re- yeah, reflect on where they've come as a as a you know as people as well, and maturing to you know getting jobs and and working full time and and um, and managing both, and yeah, I think yeah, it's a, there's a pride in that, but you probably also yeah, sort of step back and go, well, I probably didn't do that much because they you know there there is a lot of what they do now that was present back when they were juniors as well so i think um yeah there's a you touch on things and you work with people over time not being modest but, um, katie I'm, well, I'm sure that they would definitely say you've had a big yeah, impact yeah i think camwell would have had more influence um but yeah no it's i think it's a yeah i think that lots of people have have that, that influence but yeah it's nice to be to be part of it and have um yeah, you sort of get to know people over time and see um, see them come through. So, yeah. What we might do is this next section, we might make it quick hands, quick answers, quick oh questions. It's not my strength, Jimmy, you know that. Well, here we go. So this is basically just a, a few on the Campbell Hockey Club, which I know that, um, yeah, you're very well respected. But I guess how, how would you describe the club? Yeah, strong and confident. Oh great! That was that was a great start. Um, uh, biggest biggest characters. <laughs> oh God, where do you start? I mean, PC, you know, Rosie. Great start. That's a great yeah, start. George, yeah, George. Uh, I was know, waiting for George. Yeah, I mean, Fozzy, like he, you know. Then you've got um, yeah, God, any number of people. Then you've got you know, <laughs> Sophie can. Be a big personality off on the field and and off the <laughs> um, yep. yeah I think you've got um, you know Narelle like you've got yeah there's some really different a lot of great yeah characters. different characters um, but that's kind yep. of what makes it too yep um, best memories while coaching the uh, Premier League men's team best memories um, well I mentioned PC PC on the Barbie every Thursday night um, and. Uh, yeah, enjoying that part of um, the connection to the group and and having a, a dare I mean a, a VB. I don't think I ever thought I would have a can of VB, um, but uh, you know the old green Thursday night um, with with the group. Um, I mean, winning the the premiership as a yeah, I, I think um, in the two years in a row where yeah I was part of it with Rosie is his last year, and then with the group. Um, after the year after that, like those premierships um, and the the um, I guess this the the consistency of the group and how well they trained and played and and um, what they brought to the whole year. Um, I think the premiership was just a um, you know a, an icing on the cake. But I, playing in that, I think the, the the second final with how well the team played. I think oh, that was one of my proudest moments against uh, Doncaster I, I think that was um, amazing and um, pretty pretty good to be part of um, this next one might be hard to keep it short but we'll see how we go <laughs> yeah. um, I guess noticeable difference between coaching men's hockey and and coaching women's hockey the similarities are there's much more there's many more similarities than there are differences I think maybe sometimes that the guys probably just need to be slowed down a bit in terms of intensity and to think about things a little bit more and consider um, whether it's playing or off the field. Um, and the, probably the, the opposite for the girls, like sometimes they just need to get on with things and 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 uh, just start, you know, whether it's a drill or a, 
you know, or a game or just get into it um, and be encouraged to take a risk. I think sometimes the, the guys probably push on the, the risk side, whereas the girls, are, I'm talking generally, would be less risk-taking and I think we can encourage both the other the other side we can learn from each other for sure but yeah a lot of similarities i i um i found so next next part and we've probably spoken about enough is i can't remember you're either about to finish your honors in psychology or you have already done so but from that study has it have you benefited in any way i guess from a uh the way that you communicate with players now and how your dealings with players yeah, I, I definitely think it has. Um, I haven't quite finished it. <laughs> Got a couple more months to go and I will have passed in my thesis. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely over the time and the actual course, I think just around, yeah, listening and, uh, and understanding different perspectives and, um, and I guess that sometimes the recognising signs of um, where people are struggling a bit or, you know, or are not interested or, you know, and trying to understand those things and take the time. So that's probably where it's influenced me the most. Um, and I would say understanding self, like, you know, I think there's a big part of psychology that's around, you know, learning and being more aware yourself of what you do and how you operate and, and yeah, how you, you know, think and behave. And, and um, so, yeah, I think, that's that awareness and trying to improve myself has certainly come from the study as well. Um, but yeah, just along the way, it's been, been, um, yeah, definitely been helpful. And you spoke, obviously, you, you know, you got your teaching degree as well. And um, I mean, over many years, how, how have you found it trying to juggle study work and obviously your own, your own hockey as well. Um, yeah. How have you managed, managed that over many years? I guess I prioritised it. Like I think it's always been important to me and I've probably, being an intense person, <laughs> I've probably needed it um, as a to have another interest um, to take my mind off of, um, of whether it's work or sport or, um, or whatever else that I'm invested in. So I think it's been important. So I prioritised it. And it, it is something I, I like doing something that um, takes – yeah your whole concentration and and is um yeah is learning because I think sometimes yeah you get older you probably learn less so I do enjoy the learning process and and um doing it in you know different areas away from what I what I'm currently working on um so I've prioritized it um I've probably (laughs) probably just persisted like I don't I I think at times I've not studied or you know dropped out of things and then picked it up again um you know when whether it was as an athlete you know there's times where you've got to prioritize uh being an athlete or working or whatever it is you've got to you've got to spend more time on that um and come back from something like study there's other times where I've been able to pick it up like during the COVID shutdown I definitely had more time to do it um no excuses so I think yeah it's something just being about being able to keep going with things and rather than just um, thinking oh, I'm not capable of doing it because I'm busy um, I've sort of just put it to the side or then come back to it um, and and wanted to finish it I probably yeah I like to finish things eventually it does usually take me a long time but <laughs> um, yeah I, Get yeah <laughs> yeah I think the stubbornness to to try and do it um, 
has been important. I guess for all those young listeners, um, young hockey players listening in and tuning into this this podcast, um, what what advice would you have and pass on to them, um, those that are striving to to go the next level and and get to that um, that elite level? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And you've pro- you've you've probably been asked this many many times before. <laughs> yeah, I think you yeah you got to be you got to be pretty persistent with things I think and not get too yeah, phased or um, or put off if things don't necessarily go exactly how you want whether it's on a day you know a particular day you had a bad day or or you don't get selected in something or or you're not feeling like you're getting better or things like that I, I think that's probably the biggest thing um, over, over time I think that I would it give advice on is is to persist and and to find a way like find if the things aren't working then to find a different way or to talk to people about it or or to just can continue on and and try and um you know see a better day the next day because often things sort of emerge you can emerge from things and I think that for me is it is the big thing is to persist and that it won't happen straight away and that there's lots of ways of of getting to a goal or you know a team or a a result or a a job there's lots of different ways of getting there and and people can do it differently you don't have to be you know an Alison Annan you know you don't have to be a you know a Jimmy Webster um you you can be um yeah your own version of that and I think finding yeah how you best work and and what you bring and and you know not apologizing for that really trying to to push that through and and uh and then work away at the things that you're you're not as good at i think you know for me that's um the best of advice i can give i think that's so apparent as well to you know as you spoke about just briefly then in business and and also with study as well it might take a little bit longer but each individual can find a way if they really want to 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 get there um so yeah but my last question which is a very important question uh when when can we expect to see you um, back around the club for a for a green soup. Oh, well, I've been hanging out to get back, um, and I'm even more annoyed now with um, WA shutting their borders for even longer. And yeah, I've been uh, was planning to come back this year and and had it on the on the list to to come down to Camberwell and on a, a Thursday night. Yeah, I so I'm not sure it'll be when the the, the quarantine's finished because. Because, yeah, I can't really sort of go and, and come back and have to sit around for, for yep. two weeks and not work. I mean, yeah, it's appealing in some ways. But, um, yeah, so I'm hoping to get back this year. So, yeah, watch out. I, I might just end up on, yeah, be up on the balcony calling out stuff from uh, the bleachers. <laughs> Um, yeah, like the old Muppets with the rest, with the rest of the uh, with the rest of the uh, Pinot crew. Yeah, on, on yeah. Night. I might actually take them um, up on that that red wine that they were offering yes. me all those, those years. They usually offered it to me as I was going out to training. So yeah, um, but no, I hope to be back <laughs> soon because I'd love to. Um, yeah, see everyone and and um, I'm sure that the club's sort of buzzing and buzzing to get back. I guess into into action this this season too. So I'll, uh, yeah, hopefully this season. Well, I guess that that um, ends it. But Katie, thank you so much for making your yourself available um, and being part of this podcast. I know, I know, speaking to a lot of people, um, you know, the club is very proud of 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 you and and where you've got to. And um, as I said, we 
we hopefully we can see you uh, sooner than later. I look forward to it, Jimmy. My shout. <laughs>